All right, welcome to another episode of the Arizona Timeless Tours podcast. For those of you who have listened to previous podcasts, you know I do this from a back corner in a closet in my house where I put a band and an audience back here. We're all just mushed together back here because we got brand new music for the podcast. So let's hear it, boys, in three, two, one. Oh, that sounds so good. And the acoustics in here are really good in this small little closet. Let's hear from the crowd. What do you think of the brand new music? Oh, that's too nice. That's too nice. All right. All right. So there we go. Again, welcome to another episode of the Arizona Timeless Tours podcast. Today, we're going to talk about two topics. One I'm going to be brief on. The other one I'm going to expand on because I only got 30 minutes to get this podcast loaded into this system. It only allows me 30 minutes. The first uh, the first topic we're going to talk about is this. People ask me this all the time across all of my social media platforms. I was just on a YouTube live the other day for an hour talking about this very topic, and that is where do I get all of my history? How did I find out about all of these historical spots that I cover on all of my social media platforms? So that's going to be the first topic. The second topic is going to be... The beautiful town of Florence, Arizona. You know, I've done previous podcasts talking about Florence. I tried to get as many people out to Florence as I possibly can get out there. That town is unbelievable. I'm going to make a statement that's going to blow people away in a minute about Florence. But first, let's get on to the first topic. And that is, where do I go? Where do I get my information for all of this history that I'm learning over the last almost four years doing the Arizona Timeless Tours? Well, four years ago, the first thing I did, and most people have a laptop or a cell phone, or you got one or the other, or you can go to the library and use their, their computers to look things up and print things out. The first thing I did was I logged on, and what I typed in, my very first thing I typed into the search engine was hidden gems in Phoenix, Arizona. And I kept doing it every day, every day, and then I expanded it out to Mesa, then to Scottsdale, and then to Tempe, to Flagstaff, Sedona, Tucson, Dragoon. I looked up everything, but I always typed in hidden gems. Now, what happened most of the time was it would give you a search results on 20 search results a page, and about all the search results were exactly the same. They were just in a different order, according to the person who was writing that article. But I did find every day I kept doing that. When I got home from work, I get on my phone, I look up hidden gems in Phoenix. And around the second week of doing this on all these towns in Arizona, something happened. New gems would pop up, new locations that never popped up in the last two weeks. I don't know if the search engine was playing games with me, what was going on, but I kept finding now new, new stuff. And I've been doing this for four years. And the amount of information that I have found using the same, uh, the same thing I'm typing in to the search engine every time, and I'm finding all of these other cool historical places in Arizona. So that's the first thing I did. The, the next thing, the next place that I go to find this history is my local used bookstore. I love used bookstores. I have my whole life. I love U.S. history. I love Arizona history. So what I do is uh, about uh, two weeks ago, I uh, made another uh, uh, trek out to a bookstore I hadn't been to in over a year. And it's only like seven miles from the house. I got out there and uh, I walked in. I knew exactly the Arizona history section 
uh, that was there over a year ago, but this time it really shrunk down. So I don't know if they're not getting a lot of people coming in with their used books or what's going on, but they have these massive, massive row of Southwest history, but only three rows of Arizona history and 90% of those books I didn't need. The other 10% I had or I could do without. There was no new information. So I'm like, well, this was a wasted trip. But in the back, they have a clearance section. It's a small little section. Two people can fit back there. And I'm looking through the book, still not finding anything. And then I got down on my knees because there was a shelf way down on the bottom. And I saw that there were these magazines stacked up in this plastic wrap. So I pulled one of them out from the back and I hit sizzle and sevens on the slot machine. Because what I just pulled out was 20 issues wrapped up in this plastic of the Arizona Highways magazine. I love Arizona Highways. Now, most of the time, if you go to a bookstore, it's two to two and a half dollars an issue, especially if you go back to the 1970s issues. And that's where you're going to find most of your hidden stuff that people have forgotten about. And uh, I did notice 1974 was the first issue of those 20 that were wrapped up. It was a clearance sale, $5 for 20 issues. I was like, yes, now this was worth the drive. There's a lot of material right here. That wasn't the end of it, folks. I pulled out another set of 20 wrapped in the package. It was also Arizona Highways Magazine, but this time they only wanted $3 for 20. So 40 magazines for $8. Thinking that was finished? No, I'm going to hit the jackpot in a minute. In, uh, in an old article I read, it was probably 1980 uh, Arizona Highways uh, Magazine. I looked through it, and in the back, it showed that at the end of the year, they would put these 12 issues binded beautifully into this leather bounder and this leather book with a beautiful cover on it. And I'm like, man, I would love to find one of those. Well, lo and behold, I look down there and I see this brown book and it's dated 1996 on it. And I pull it out and it's one of those books from 1996, all 12 issues, beautifully bound, beautifully protected in mint condition. They want $5, but that wasn't the only one. I found the one from 1990, 1995 and 1980. And they were all five bucks. I got out of there for less than $30 for all this stuff. It weighed over 17 pounds, all these magazines. Put them in a car, brought them home, went through every single magazine, every single article. I posted it note on each one of the articles that I wanted to go back to. And I have so much, so much reading to do. And uh, it would it would cover at least another 30 podcasts on just the magazines that I found the other day at the bookstore. So if you want to learn about your local area, this, your, your state, some hidden spots, go to your local used bookstore. There are some phenomenal ones in Mesa and downtown Phoenix. I love them. I love the ones that, you know what, the most expensive book is like $9, not $2 off the regular price. So um, check them out. Check out your local uh, used bookstores. That's where I find all my information. I've read hundreds of internet articles over the years. I've read 30 or 40 books on the great state of Arizona, and I'm always going back through them to find stuff. One of the places I found in one of these older ones and these older magazines was the Riverside Station. That place, I believe, was lost to history. The only thing that's left down there is the foundation. So if you didn't know the history of Riverside Station, you would never know it was there uh, in a very remote location even today. And uh, that was the most remote stagecoach route in the state of Arizona back in 1877. And it was standing all the way until a huge flood of the Gila River in like 1985 where the federal government knocked it down for some flood insurance or something. But uh, a famous holdup 
happened there with Pearl Hart, the first female to rob a stagecoach. A famous escape happened along that route of the Apache Kid from Globe to Florence and onto the Yuma Penitentiary. But we're going to get into all that later. I've done other podcasts on those two individuals. So I don't want to go any farther. Just look up old books, copyright copyright date in the 1970s and 80s are excellent finds in used bookstores on the state of Arizona. So let's pop on to the next topic. And that's Florence, Arizona, folks. I love Florence. And here's the almost outrageous thing I think I'm going to say to some people's ears right now. So I'm sorry if it hurts your ears, but this is what I'm going to say. I believe Florence, Arizona is better than Tombstone, Arizona. I'll say it one more time because I believe it to be 100% true. I believe there is more history in Florence than there is in Tombstone. And uh, I believe the only reason that you know about Tombstone, Arizona, is because of a famous championship boxing match that took place in 1896 in December in San Francisco, California, in front of like 17,000 fans. All right. There was something happened. And I I did that on another. I did that on my uh, OK Corral podcast, if you want to go check it out, that will change your change the way that you look at people in history. Because of this match and because of what they did there, I believe that that didn't happen and the corruption of that referee didn't happen. We would have never known about a guy named Wyatt Earp, Doc Holliday, any of the Earp brothers, the shootout at the OK Corral. None of that stuff would have been on the map, and I don't believe Tombstone would be there today. It's a huge tourist attraction because of two major motion pictures with some serious actors playing in both of those movies in the early 1990s. We got... Unbelievable documentaries, hundreds of books written about the uh, the Earp brothers. So, uh, so that's done. I'm done with Tombstone. I've been there. I think everybody should get there. Don't think I'm bashing Tombstone or saying don't go. Uh, Florence is 41 minutes from my house. It's two hours and 20 minutes to Tombstone. And uh, did it, done it. I don't think I'm ever going back. So why do I love Tombstone? Let's talk about a little bit of the history of Florence, Arizona. Okay. Florence was uh, founded by a gentleman named Levi Ruggles in 1866. He came, uh, he, was a, he was in the, uh, the Union Army uh, during the Civil War. He became an Indian agent, and they brought him out here, and he settles in what is now Florence, Arizona in 1866. He builds his first house right there. The foundations of this house still exist on Ruggles Street with the, uh, with the historical placard there. I'm so happy that they saved it, that they didn't do anything. I'm happy about the foundation. It was built in 1869, his first family house, built in 1869. Across the street from that house is the E.N. Fish House. Everything that I have researched and talked to people about in the local area, in the history, in the historical society out there, that is the oldest standing house in the town of Florence, Arizona, built, ladies and gentlemen, in 1868 and still stands today and was used as the first post office in Florence, Arizona. Somebody lives in that house. They redid it and is standing today and somebody lives there. The sign is out front. But how cool is that? And it's right across the street from the first Ruggles house, the foundation of the first Ruggles house. So if you go up Ruggles Street, you come to the first Pinal County Courthouse, oldest standing courthouse in the state of Arizona, built in 1878. The one in Tombstone, 1882. Uh, Levi Ruggles had a hand in designing and helping build this courthouse. This courthouse is unbelievable. It served as a uh, hospital after that, but it's been made into a museum now. It's the McFarland State Courthouse. You need to get down there and check it out. It's absolutely free to get into. 
the little bookstore that you see when you first walk in that used to be where the two jail cells were that could hold six individuals each back in the 1870s. This, uh, the people that work there are absolutely some of the most friendly people I've ever come across ever, anywhere I've ever visited. They are so knowledgeable about the town of Florence and, and the courthouse. They're great people. I've had some awesome discussions with them over the past two and a half years. If you go there, please tell them because they'll know. Please tell them the Arizona Timeless Tour sent you. Uh, we've had uh, numerous conversations. All right. So you have this this uh, this now museum in this courthouse. And the reason I went there a year and a half the first time, year and a half ago, is because during World War II, Florence had the largest POW camp in the state of Arizona off of State Route 79. Now, nothing exists any of that of that uh, of the um, POW camp lost for words here now. But there is a memorial to Camp Florence and on the top of it, surrounded by flags. But on top of the memorial is a bell that was built by Italian prisoners of war during World War Two. Pretty cool little spot back there. Now it's a 55 and older community, I think. Um, now let's, all right, let's, uh, so inside of the courthouse, they have old pictures of the POW camp. They have some of the, um, things that the POWs have left behind, like watches, uh, prayer cards, uniforms. They have all of that in there that you can check out. Really awesome display. And as you're walking through, you'll see what the original courtroom looked like. Such a cool building. Check out the first, uh, Pinal County courthouse. Now let's move on to the John Clum House, one of my favorite people in Arizona history. Never heard of uh, Indian agent John Clum until I went to Florence over two years ago and started looking at these houses. And I was like, who is this guy? He's the first mayor of Tombstone, Arizona, folks, a friend of the Earp brothers in the vendetta with the Clanton and the McClary's that wanted to take him out, the cowboy gang after that shootout. They tried to kill John Clum when he was taking a stagecoach out of town. They 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 filled it up with bullets, but John Clum escaped. He ran the newspaper in Tombstone, Arizona. He had a huge part in all of this history in Tombstone. But uh, he started in 1874 out here in the Southwest at the San Carlos Indian Reservation from 1874 to 1877. The thing that stands out about John Clum and how he was an Indian agent compared to all these other people that I read about that were in charge of these areas is that he wanted the Apaches to govern themselves. He wanted them to be self-governed. So he started an Apache police force. So when they went out to arrest somebody, it was their own people doing it. When they took them to court or had a trial, the Apaches were sitting in as the as the witnesses. They were in the jury. And... Uh, his Apache police force does something unbelievable in 1877. A hundred of them march 400 miles to capture America's most wanted, something that nobody could do prior to this. So many people say this guy was never captured. Oh, yes, he was in 1877 by Indian agent John Clum and his 100 uh, Apache police, and that was Geronimo. Geronimo surrendered his weapon right to John Clum that day. He got marched back 400 miles to the San Carlos Reservation and was locked up with some of his head guys, and the rest of his family was on the reservation. Now, the uh, the actual weapon is on, on display in the Arizona History Museum in Tucson, Arizona. How do I notice the actual weapon? Someone will say, well, that was back in 1877. How do you know Geronimo was holding that weapon? Because I've been a hold of his two times great-grandson. 
who's in his 80s, who lives in Los Angeles, California today. We're going to do a podcast. I can't wait for that. He is the one who donated that gave that gun to the Arizona History Museum in Tucson in the 1980s. So it is the actual gun. What happens is he leaves the uh, San Carlos uh, Reservation in 1877, does John Clum. And for some reason, that would be go down as one of the biggest blunders in Southwest history. They let Geronimo out and release him to the uh, the area, the, the reservation area. He escapes from there and they pay for it for the next nine or 10 years. That could have ended in 1877. We wouldn't have heard the name Geronimo ever again, but it just happens. Let's hit the Ross Fryer Cushman house, which is right down the street from John Clum's house. The Ross Fryer Cushman house. This house is for sale. And I put it on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, uh, TikTok. I want somebody to come and buy this historic house. Why is it so historic? Well, a lady named Pauline Cushman lived in that house. She was married to a gentleman named Jerry Fryer, who was the sheriff in uh, Florence, Arizona back then. And uh, he his his office was in the courthouse. And who was she? What did she do prior to moving to Florence? Well, she was an American actress and a spy for the Union Army during the American Civil War. I'm going to say it again. A spy for the Union Army during the American Civil War. The part that she played is unbelievable. There are numerous books written about Pauline Cushman. I've read one. Um they have one for sale, I believe, in the First Pinal County Courthouse bookstore. They, this, this woman, her, her history cannot be hidden. I tried to bring it to light. She was almost hung uh, by the Confederates during the Civil War because they captured her, but she got deathly ill. So they didn't want to hang her at that point. So they waited. But as they waited, Union troops came through and, and, um, liberated that town and found Pauline. And they were so happy that they found her. They loved Pauline Cushman. She gave them maps and detailed uh, detailed assignments of the Confederates during her time serving as a Union spy. You want to check the house out. First of all, it's closed. It's for sale. Somebody needs to buy it. If I won the lottery, I'd be the first person in there buy it and save as much of it as I possibly could and open it up to the public. But the uh, Ross Fryer Cushman House was built in 1876. Great piece of history in Florence, right down the street from the John Clum House, right down the street from uh, the first Ruggles House, the oldest house in Florence, and right down the road from uh, the first Pinal County Courthouse. What a great location, folks. All right, let's talk. Uh, this this house uh, intertwines in what I'm just talking about here. The Walker House was built in 1877. It's on Ruggles Street. It used to be the uh, the courtroom and served as county offices back then. But in 1879, Jerry Fryer and Pauline Cushman were married in that building. That's the historical significance to me of that building right there. A lot more going on in that building on the sign, but the marriage of those two there, phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Let's talk about the second Pinal County Courthouse. Before they put that up, there was a cemetery there. They had to dig up all of the bodies there and relocate them to what is now the Florence Cemetery. So if you go to the Florence Cemetery and you go back like I did one day and I couldn't understand what was going on, no headstones, but you knew all these burials took place back there. That's where they buried all these people. Unfortunately, not too many headstones back there, just a couple. Uh, they built this building in 1891 
And the architecture of the building is the colonial style. It's colonial style. It looks like it belongs in Williamsburg, Virginia. I've been to Williamsburg numerous times. This building, if you put it there, it goes exactly with it. You put it out here in the Southwest in 1891, you're like, what is going on here? I'm going to have to stop this recording. I thank you, everybody, for joining me. I will do part two. All right, everybody, I apologize. I truly apologize. I looked as I'm recording, and it says, you must end this podcast now or it's going to shut off. So I shut it off. So what I'm going to try to do is put another track at the end of the first one, and hopefully this will just run smooth into that last area where I said, I got to end the podcast. It will be a part two. Well, let's just say that this is part two. Let's keep going on the uh, second Pinal County Courthouse. We were stating it looks like it belongs in Colonial Williamsburg, built in 1891. Three famous women were tried in that courthouse. The first one in 1899, and that was Pearl Hart, the first female to rob a stagecoach. She was uh, held there in the jail, and she was tried in that courtroom. In 1930 was the second one, Eva Dugan, who was the first or actually the last woman to be executed by hanging in the state of Arizona. When she was hung, her head came off. Uh, They actually have, folks, they actually have the noose in the historical society right down the street. They have a bunch of nooses with the pictures with pictures of people that were hung um, by those nooses right in the middle of them. It's the most unique display in any museum I've ever seen anywhere, not just in Arizona. The third one was Winnie Ruth Judd was tried there. She was the famous trunk murderess. And uh, her headlines of Winnie Ruth Judd made it across, not just across Arizona, but across the United States. People could not believe what happened uh, with that murder. So she was also tried there. Now, I'm a little bit off my game here because of the way that the first episode kind of ended, how the track ended. But I want to tell you about one more house that's standing out there, and that is the Truman Randall House, which is across from the uh, Pinell County uh, Historical Museum. You'll see it there. Somebody lives in it. And uh, Truman was the sheriff that was that caught Pearl Hart in 1899 and brought her back to Florence and locked her up in the second Pinal County courthouse. So um, that house is a pretty cool house to see. Again, the historical marker is right outside of the house. There's a gate around it. And again, somebody lives in it. Now, let's talk about the gunfight that happened on the 31st of May of 1888 that I think that lasted longer than 30 seconds, okay, like the one at the OK Corral in 1881. All right. This was between two, an ex-sheriff and an ex-deputy. The ex-sheriff's name was Pete Gabriel. The ex-deputy's name was Josephus Fye. Good friends when they served together, folks. But they had a huge falling out. And over the years, people thought that this was going to happen a lot sooner than it did. They thought there would be a gunfight a lot sooner. But uh, it all came to an end on the 31st of May of 1888. Pete Gabriel was up mining for, for a, probably about a month, and he came back down to the town, and he went to the famous Tunnel Saloon in, uh, in Florence. Well, Josephus Fye knew that he was in there, and uh, he was going to take care of business right then. And he walks through the doors of the saloon. A gunfight happens. Nobody knows who shot first. They shot the lights out in there. It was dark. 
The fight spilled out on the street out in front of the tunnel saloon. Both individuals had multiple bullets in their bodies. They were laying bleeding on the streets. So the doctors took them to different houses. And what ends up happening is the next day, Josephus Phi, the ex-deputy, passes away and is buried out at that Florence Cemetery today. His headstone is out there today. Uh, Pete Gabriel had a bunch of wounds also. They thought that he was going to die, but he lived, and he just didn't live for a couple of days. Pete Gabriel lived for another 10 years. That gunfight goes down in the history of Florence. People talked about it for many, many years. To me, just as big a gunfight as happened in in, uh, Tombstone, but no major movie was done about the town of Florence and about Josephus Fye and Pete Gabriel. A lot going on in the historic town of Florence, Arizona, folks. Place is absolutely awesome. If you go there this weekend, check out the Windmill Winery. There is a great, if you love wine, there is a great winery out there called the Windmill Winery. You will have a great time out there. Go ahead and look up their website. Check out their hours of operation. Enjoy the day out there. Great people. They showed me around the whole winery a couple of months ago. I had a great time. I've purchased stuff from them. It's just, a it, again, check it out. It's a hidden gem in Arizona, but it's a hidden gem right inside of Florence, Arizona. All right, so this time I am actually going to end this episode. Again, I apologize on, on how the uh, the how the first part kind of ended, and uh, I don't know why it's doing that, but uh, hopefully everything will flow when I'm finished here. I'm not going to edit anything. I'm just going to take this clip and throw it in with the other clip. So hopefully when you, when you hear that it ended, you stayed on for another three or four seconds so you could hear the end of the story. If you'd like to support the Arizona Timeless Tours, the only place I have something that you can donate to is on my YouTube channel up in the top right-hand corner. On the, the PC is the PayPal link. You can donate to the PayPal. On the cell phone and the About section, you'll go to Dean's Adventure Tank to help fill up my Jeep. It's right there. It's linked to the PayPal account. That would be greatly, greatly appreciated. I appreciate everybody who takes time out of their day to listen to this podcast. Until next time, Take care of yourself.